This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, everybody. Apologies for the brief hiatus. We were off for two weeks doing our personal projects, but now we are back. We're seeing you live. We're seeing you in hell. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I'm a little tired of beating around the bush here. Let's just get right to it. <laughs> on with the show and on with the joke. <laughs> yeah. It sounds uh, more and more like a pedophile that runs a candy store, <laughs> like a no. curly mustached. You know what I mean? I do. I do. That's what I strive to be. How have you been, Walsh? It's been a. I haven't seen you in about a week and a half. It's been a real uh, long time, especially for us. Uh, but absence makes the heart grow fungus, as they say. Uh, Joe was in Australia for mm-hmm. the. Uh, Crocodile Dundee Comedy Festival, which is run by Mr. Paul Hogan. Movie Festival. It was the Crocodile Dundee Movie Festival. Oh, okay. They just ran the three over and over? Yeah. And then films of lesser uh, notoriety that were influenced by the original Crocodile Dundee films. Your your young Einstein starring Yahoo Sirius. Uh, He actually was running a competing festival. Oh, holy shit. He's Australian as well, right? Yeah, but he was really spitting in the face of Hogan. He's yeah. tired of it, he said. Well, I mean, was he a huge Australian comedian that they tried to push here? I was a little too young to know what was going on. I saw the video box. I was like, who is this? Why did they give I, him a movie? I actually have sort of an answer for this. Okay, great. Because I was there for the Melbourne Comedy Festival, which uh, thank you again to everybody. It was a really beautiful Mel- experience. Um, Melbourne runs that, right? M- yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. He's a Jewish guy that lives in Australia. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really wonderful time. Uh, Pat, I will say it. I've never, and I know I'm not, this is not bullshit, and you know me. I am not a people person. I've never met more beautifully spirited people than, oh. I, than I've ever met in Australia. They That's were great. accommodating and welcoming and wonderful. Uh, I've always heard that. I should head down there. I've never been. Yeah, it's, uh, it was really great. But we were sitting out uh, drinking one night, me and a bunch of other comics who were from there. And they kind of got annoyed when I asked this because they thought I was giving them shit, but I wasn't. But I was like, what's going on with Paul Hogan and Yahoo Serious? Did they have a beef? No, no, no. I just meant like in general. Like, what are those guys up to? Right. And they were like, ah, the Americans are at it again. I was like, no, no, no. I'm not saying that to be funny. Like, (laughs) Uh I'm really curious. Like, they were huge in our country for a little while. Not Yahoo. He was pretty fucking big. I remember he was doing all the late night TVs when. Oh, uh, he was a stand up. No, no, no. When when Young Einstein came out, he was doing all the like Carson and all that shit because oh. they were and they were making this big deal. Like he wrote it. He directed it. He produced it. He starred in it. And okay. then it was this massive fucking bomb because right. it was a terrible movie. But but, what, uh, but who was he? Oh, like, wow. Well, that like, I don't know. What 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 was he in something that I'm going to look him up? Well, they could. Here's the thing. When I was like, so what are those guys doing here now? Right. They were like, I mean, they're they're not any more 
uh, relevant here than they are where you're at. Like we haven't heard from them either. Right. So uh, so nobody seems to know the whereabouts of Hogan and Sirius. I'm assuming Yahoo Sirius was a stand up. Well, now I'm going to look them up. I mean, we we're coming back with a, the opposite of a bang. Anyone tuning in now is like, <laughs> what is this? A fucking Yahoo Sirius podcast? Are Yahoo's serious? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, he's 63. His name is Greg <sighs> Gomez Peed. He's married to Lulu Sirius. They, they've divorced. And he um, took on her name. He created Reckless Kelly and Mr. Accident. So he thought of himself as like the next Mr. Jerry Lewis or so. Like he, he was doing all of his stuff. Mr. Accident, I'm assuming he's like a Mr. Bean. I guess so. With like um, more cuckoo bird noises. Oh, now here's a dark twist. <laughs> it's been pretty dark so far. <laughs> In August 2000, Yahoo Sirius tried to sue the search engine Yahoo for trademark infringement. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. The case was thrown out because Sirius could not prove that he sells products or services under the name Yahoo. Oh, boy. They were like, you, you don't sell anything. No one no one buys anything you're selling. You, <laughs> we hate you. That's dark. That's a rough one, man. That in the... Uh the Joni from Happy Days news all in one week. I can't. I can't really handle all this. This is. This is too much. Too much uh, bright stars from the past that have burned out. Okay, the film's popularity propelled Sirius to stardom, which saw him appear on the cover of Time and Mad Magazine. Oh, big deal! Time Magazine, and even got him his own primetime slot on MTV. It was a huge success in Australia, but a critical and commercial flop in the U.S. So there we go. Time Fun. Magazine. He was on the cover of. That I, I don't really believe. Uh, I, I do. I remember there was so much fucking hype around that movie, man. They All were right. like, look, sometimes then it worked. how did it bomb? Just because it was so terrible, I it's guess. It's a terrible movie. Yeah. I, I, I saw it when I was 11. I may have rented it at some point and, and, and washed it from my memory. Even at 11, I was spitting at the screen and it, yeah. was, it, was, it was infuriating. But sometimes it works out with these foreign guys. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you get you get a you get a Yakov Smirnoff. Right. Sometimes you get a Yahoo Serious. Well, Smirnoff never ventured into film. No, but he certainly sustained his thing for way long. He I did. just saw Yahoo Serious on at midnight. So he's still you mean Yakov Smirnoff or Yakov Smirnoff. Yes. Was he still doing the in Ru Well, Rush is hot again. He's probably loving this. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, he can do Trump stuff. Uh, he was doing like a millennial. It was like a millennial Russian man character. I forget. I don't know. You know, Joe, I, I sometimes watch at, at midnight, but um, in the Soviet Union, at midnight watches me. <laughs> is, that a, I mean? is that is that a, like a shadow government, like a like a red? That's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. Who serious would always do, you, you know, in Yaakov America, Smirnoff. you watch TV, but in Russia, TV watches you. OK, that was like his classic setup because like. Now, but I'm saying big though, brother is, and that's a commentary on the big brother. Yeah. That's not just. Yeah. Well, look, in things Soviet Union. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan. No. You know, no. So I'm trying to think who else this has happened with. Well, Trevor Noah's a guy, right? He's South African. John, a John Oliver. I'm just saying guys with accents from other places that became famous here. 
I don't know what happens all the time. Most of our big actors are always pretending to be American. That's a good point. Tons of them. It's in fact, the star of tonight's movie. That's true. Yeah. Hugh Jackman. And I, th- I feel like in tonight's movie, which we're not going to get to just yet, he thought uh, bellowing his lines would cover it up. And it worked. <laughs> he really bellowed in this movie. Uh, I'd like to make note for our loyal, loyal fan base. That was second time we had a perfect transition. Didn't run with it. Last time was clown with it. I blew it yeah. for you. You blew that one for me. Well, if I had started into prisoners, you would have been like, no, we got to do the things. <laughs> well, we do. I, I know we got to do the things. Uh, I'm just saying that's two really great segues we had. Yes. Uh, let's do you have anything to talk about? I mean, I don't know what you can or cannot talk about at this point with your with your uh, pilot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, or whatever else is going on. I might as well just get right into it, folks. I mean, uh, there is a little big news for, for us both here. Uh, I think it's fine to say because the pilot is locked. I turned in the final cut today. It has been well received by everybody who needs to receive it well. Um, it tested fantastically in the Las Vegas area, which is another reason why I love the Las Vegas area. Yep. And now I wait. I've got about two weeks till I hear. Uh, but it just I couldn't be any happier with it. It turned out wonderfully. And folks, there's a... <laughs> There's an asshole uh, in the in the script named Gary. The character is named Gary, and he is a uh, a philanderer, a cheater, a dick. Uh, everybody in the office hates him and talks at length about how much they hate him. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, I got to get Joe in for an audition. <laughs> so he was written in the thing as like being like a kind of a, a six pack type guy, which. Uh-huh has been quite the subject of, of discussion around there. But uh, <laughs> we saw all these people audition, and we had some some good people. But our, our three finalists were all kind of like guys we liked. They all kind of fit the same mold. They were good-looking guys who were standard douchebags. I said, why don't we bring in Joe? I didn't tell him when he was my friend. They were like, yeah, we can see somebody else. Joe came in. Folks, he got the part. Not through nepotism. Because it had to go up. CBS passed on almost every actor we wanted. I don't want them. I don't want them. They approved Joe DeRosa. And it felt good. Yeah. It felt good. felt good to be part of it. I'd slide right into those roles. Um, You did. I know how to play a real piece of shit. So Uh, if this goes, not only will you get to see this dream project of mine come to fruition, but you'll get to see Joe on CBS, which, (laughs) I mean, Joe's generally not a network performer. (laughs) Middle America's not really ready for it. No, I, uh, this is, I, 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 my agent, my agent said to me two years ago, you're not going to be a network guy. So yeah, don't worry about this pilot season stuff. You're going to be a cable guy. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's fine with me. And so far he was right. But he, uh, you're, he meant a cable installer because yeah. <laughs> the parts weren't coming. Um, but this was, uh, this was as much a surprise to me as, as, as it could have been to anybody. But it was a, now if I can say a few nice words, uh, actually, nothing you just said was that nice. Uh, <laughs> of, co- of course, it was. You got the part, and you killed it. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was really a blast. Pat Walsh up there running the show. The showrunner is the title for those of you that don't live in Hollywood. That's the job title. I watched him run the show, and he ran it like a champ. And I can tell you, folks, Thank I've you. worked for a lot of my friends. This was a painless experience. There was never once. That moment where you're like, oh, my friend does that when he's at work. <laughs> uh, yeah, I it, tried to avoid that. 
It was just, it was smooth sailing. Wonderful cast of people. Worked yes. with some of uh, some actors that I've admired for many, many years who I now correspond with. Uh, yeah, it was just a, a really like top to bottom perfect cast. Everybody was great. Um, and, you know, if I may toot my horn, I, I felt very confident in the material. And I had a bunch of alts at the ready in case something didn't work. I, I over prepared uh, to to a fault, perhaps. But we were just ready to go. And the whole thing could not have gone more smoothly. It was a blast. Joe and I got to spend like a week, you know, at work, which we haven't done. It was very fun. There were no explosions. We didn't scream. Uh, nobody screamed. No. Director, Mr. Andy Ackerman, directed the, uh, the the final five seasons of Seinfeld. So he was a, a dream, a legend for me to meet. He ran a very calm, uh, tight ship as well. And I just felt like a great kinship and a partnership with him. Everybody was happy. Everybody hung out together. Everybody went out after and had a nice time. It was just a great group of people. It was a wonderful. Great experience. It was wonderful. And I hope it continues. I mean, that's the that's the beautiful thing is that it could go on for seven years or something. It was a wonderful, it wonderful time. I actually found myself missing uh, all of you just a week later. Yeah. Uh, Everybody so. has said that. There's a little... You know, sadness. Yeah, but uh, Andy's the best. Also d directed everything. Becker, which yeah. I love. Raymond. Yeah. Great show. I might Cheers. As well. Cheers, yeah. For Christ's sakes. I might as well break out the cast for you. I mean, there, there's nothing to hide at this point. I'm just, we're all just waiting. The, the cast is uh, uh, J.R. Ferguson, who portrayed Stan on Mad Men. Um Wonderful man. Oh, he's the best. He he nailed an extremely difficult part. Uh, Lindsey Craft, who you may know, I guess, from like Grace and Frankie, and she's done, uh, you know, uh, what's the HBO medical show? Getting On. Wonderful she's woman. Had, she's had bit parts in all kinds of great comedy stuff. She's delightful. Cameron Manheim of Happiness, which we always discuss on this show, The Practice. You know Cameron Manheim. Manheim was in Happiness? She had the head in her freezer. Now I want to watch happiness again. It's the first thing I said to her. She was like, no one ever approaches me about happiness. But I was like, hey, I didn't watch the practice, babe. <laughs> That's what I know. She uh, she was she was wonderful. And uh, Sarah Gilbert from yes. Roseanne, uh, a real treat meeting her. I grew up with her. She dated, of course, Mr. Johnny Galecki, who was producing the piece on Roseanne and maybe in real life pre-lesbianism. I don't know. I guess I should ask. Um, they were Tony both, Rock. They were both awesome. Uh, Tony Rock, Chris Rock's brother, uh, but and a fantastic comedian in his own right. Old friend of mine. I've known Tony for ten years. CBS is describing it as a star-making performance. He's delightful. He's great. Um, June Squibb, Academy Award nominee. June Squibb about Schmidt. About Schmidt, Nebraska. I'm, I'm throwing alts at this woman. Like I'm like, hey, instead of this, say this. Instead of this, say this. Add this, subtract this. She's 87. She'd be like, yeah, I got it. Nailed it every time. She was perfect. Who else was in the damn thing? Well, you had you had Ian Gomez. I oh Christ, Ian Gomez, uh, scene stealer, just a a fantastic actor. You know him from all kinds of things. Curb enthusiasm, Felicity back in the day, my big fat Greek wedding, etc. Uh, and then. The amazing Mr. David Krumholtz, who is just a, a killer, a very, very funny man. You know him from Apatow shit. You know him from uh, 
Harold and you know, Kumar. Harold and Kumar. You know him from uh, Slums of Beverly Hills, where he dances in his underpants. A classic scene. It's my uh, f- my favorite movie of his, and that's one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Is that I was so excited when he was part of when I found out he was part of the show. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, it's just you you watch it, and generally, you know, like every t- I've I've seen it now eight hundred times, and like every new scene starts, you're like, oh, good, it's this scene, which is a, a good feeling. I I would be very angry and confused if they didn't pick it up. I don't want to talk too much more about it, but we've given you all the key information. Hopefully you get to see it someday. That's all I can really say. Hey, everybody was wonderful. Yeah. I, I, and and uh, yeah, everybody was just great. It was just a it was blast. a blast. And we shot it in front of a live audience, which, which was, was awesome. By the way, a real thrill uh, because, uh, you know, sitcoms, look, everybody agrees. A multicam sitcom with a live audience when it's good, it's great, yeah. and when it's not good, it's terrible. Sure. So it was fun to be part of a good one, and as a comic, it was very rewarding, if not a little frightening, but in a good way, Yeah. to, to have that pressure of being up there and, and having to get a laugh and all that stuff. And, you know, there's, it, was, it, it has the immediacy of stand-up in, re, in a reward sense, uh, but then you also get the bonus of the acting where you can do it a couple times and change things and whatever, so... It was really great. Yeah, the only real issue, and it was more an issue in, in editing, was uh, the the tonnage of jokes. Uh, people were stepping, laughs were stepping on jokes and throwing off timing here and there. But that happens. People get used to it. But you could see, you can see, uh, especially in the first takes when we were editing it, the actors like look a little thrown almost by the laughter because we have been when you rehearse it, it's it's like two people watching it. And you do it over and over, and then people are like, am I not funny? Do you not like this? And I'm like, just please, just wait for the audience. By the way, that wasn't me yelling like that. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, the other amusing part of, of testing and, and Warner Brothers seeing it and CBS seeing it, everybody was like, we're concerned about the likability of Joe. <laughs> So then everyone kept saying it, and I was like, you're not supposed to like him. He's the asshole. You're not supposed to like him. And then finally in the big like big discussion with CBS where they saw the final run through and like had their final notes before tape night, she was like, look, we just, you know, you can feel it. People are creeped out by Joe, and they're not really liking Joe. And then Ackerman, who rarely speaks, I mean, you know, to the executives anyway, he was sitting in the corner, and he goes, then I guess I did my job. <laughs> and she goes what she's like i guess i guess we did our job i mean he's supposed to be an unlikable creep so if you're saying he's unlikable and creepy sounds like we did our job yeah <laughs> and then i think they were delighted and surprised when you came out and got laughs yes but all these executives were married women and you could see in their face they were like oh i hate this guy but well, that's, yeah. that's you it was necessary for the plot and we're not going to absolutely- spoil it but it was necessary for where the plot goes. It was absolutely necessary, and I think uh, we found a few things that uh, gave him some uh, uh, likable likability. Absolutely, further down the line of the story. But yeah, it was. It was. I was actually quite shocked when we shot it in front of the audience. How many laughs that that he that character got earlier in the script when he's being the most creepy i agree i was like oh okay well they're on I board agree. they they get that this is supposed to be funny like and whatever so. yeah and everybody works with an asshole like that that's the thing is that you know hollywood people forget that there are assholes in every office you know yeah like they they like uh there was a joke that we you know wound up not being in it but something about how the office w- was all uh 
thrown into a tizzy because somebody had microwaved cauliflower and Cameron came over and was like, this, I don't get why this is a, like, who cares if you microwave cauliflower? I was like, anyone who works in an office knows the office reeks when you microwave cauliflower or fish or whatever else. Right. And we did it and got a laugh. That's, it's not in the show, but I, I was just kind of like people, actors, executives, etc. they're not in the world that they are doing these shows for which i right. think is why there's often a huge disconnect i had a i, I broke off from you mentally there just for a second i understand because i had a fantasy when you said uh the point of my character was to not be likable yeah i had a i had this jump cut in my head to five years from now shows a success i'm in some really serious interview wearing an ascot maybe on <laughs> inside the actor's studio with whoever right. the new host is they bring it back yeah who would be the and, new host I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Matt Damon. No, what are you talking about? Well, he does those like Project Greenlight things and everything. No, it would have to be somebody that pompous who's not really a, a big actor. It wouldn't be Matt Damon. Well, maybe they'd learn from their mistakes and they. Bring Matt Damon is the uh, he's a humble, very successful actor. I agree with that. I'm saying maybe they go the other direction. All right, I'm thinking out of the box right now. All right, somebody who wants to support the young actor. I think that's a good question, and I'm going to come back to it. Who well, would be the new? You know who it would be? Probably like Billy Bush, his return to television. Sure, sure. All right, go on. I'll tell you, the question was great for the momentum of my story. Go on, Joe. The, uh, but then uh, in the interview, I say, I never saw Gary as the bad guy. I always saw everybody <laughs> ah, else as the bad guy. And he's yeah. The, and then, then, that, then it jump cuts from that to the headline of me saying that, and then the show gets canceled. Yeah. You have to, lo <laughs> you have to love your characters. They do always say that. Remember when Gary Oldman got in trouble? It was so crazy when he did that movie about... What was that movie about the vice president where everybody jizzed on her in the video and Jeff Bridges is the president? Oh, uh... Oh, uh, fuck. The, the contender. contender, yeah. Wait, everyone jizzed on her? I thought it was like one sexual encounter. I think it was a gangbang video. Oh, my God. I think. I, th I can't remember. All right. But it was a sex video. But anyway. I saw it. Gary Oldman plays like the right wing guy. Right. Who's going after her. And I remember Gary Oldman said in an interview, he's like, well, I looked at my character as the good guy. Yeah. Which he clearly was saying, like, obviously, if you're playing that part, you got to believe you're right. Yeah. Uh, he's the guy that, that he, he thinks he's good. Yeah. Yeah. And he got in all this shit, and there was all this... Con I was like, that guy's a fucking actor playing a part in a movie. Who gives yeah. a shit? Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, Patty, we're 22 minutes in. We haven't even cracked. Yeah, we should we should uh, get it moving because Joe and I are going to see The Pixies tonight. Yeah. Which I'm very excited about. Um, as far as Movie Corner, I mean, until this afternoon, about two hours ago, I have done nothing except stuff for this pilot. Except one night, I couldn't sleep due to nerves, and I went upstairs and watched Problem Child, <laughs> Problem Child 2, and The Remains of the Day <laughs> with Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson. All right. I'm going to tell you, Problem Child 1 holds up in a big old way, except the third act is a fucking disaster. Uh -huh. Problem Child 2 does not hold up at all, save for some amazing weird little jokes like the one I sent you. There is a scene where these two dog catchers they're just normal guys are 40 years old kind of ugly guys they're coming to pick up a dog 
and they go knock on the door and junior the kids like yeah i'll go and get him hang on he turns around and while the kid goes back inside the one dog catcher runs his fingers through the other dog catcher's hair and leans in to kiss him these are, <laughs> these are two men and he goes not now <laughs> then the kid comes out they give him the dog and the dog catchers leave i wound up sending this bit to like five people i was like this is a brilliant joke yeah buried in problem child 2 clearly they were like this scene's so boring we ought to give it something it's a child's it's a movie for children <laughs> but what i loved about it was that even in this it was a you know at the height of like gay panic and like every joke was about that they just presented these men as as secret lovers yeah who had to keep it undercover yeah, and they they're real butchy when they walk up yeah. to the door. It's not like yeah, it's not like one of them is giving off any scent of of being effeminate or anything like that. Right. So then, so they really they really handled it quite respectfully, if I may say so. They did. Um, and we talked about this list last time because I heard them on the Gilbert Gottfried podcast. But it was those guys who did Ed Wood and People versus Larry Flint and the OJ Show. They're incredibly talented. They started their career with the two Problem Child movies. So, you know, obviously they're talented guys, and that's probably why that joke slipped in there. Uh, and the remains of the day I had never seen because I always find British movie like period pieces, boring. About butlers and everything. You know, Downton Abbey. I can't, can't get through it. I hate shit like that. Always have. Probably always will. But I was riveted by this thing for two and a half hours. They get into the inner workings of butlerism. Anthony Hopkins was almost as good as he was in Silence of the Lambs. It's one of his best performances. That was a real streak a couple of years for him. I mean, you're, you're, you're saying all the wrong shit right now. Two and a half hours, a movie about butlerism. I got to tell you. Period it, piece. And none of this is exciting to me. Part of it is like, I mean, it was almost, I love movies so much, and I hadn't seen one in so long that this night was, uh, you know, it was like when you get a drink of water after you've been uh, in the desert or something. But I love the movie. I was riveted by it. It was very sad. I almost cried at the end. Um, it's just a story about a guy who can't express his emotions, and maybe that's why it hit home for your boy, Pat Walsh. Well, Patty, love to hear it. I'm yeah. glad that you enjoyed it. I did. Uh, I it. I'm going to keep mine brief. I've seen a lot of stuff. Go for it. But I'm only going to talk about two briefly. All right. uh, uh, the first is one we've talked about before. But I finally saw Army of One, the Nicolas Cage movie, while I was on the plane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can't tell if it was great or bad. I, I liked it. Cage's performance is a new definition of I know chewing the scenery. And then I went and watched interviews with the real guy. He's nothing like that at all. And I, <laughs> I, had the, I talked about it on this show, and I, I hated the movie, but I was so fascinated by the performance that I watched the extra features. And they were like, you know, we when once we saw this guy, we were like, oh, I mean, Nick, you can't even go too far with this guy. He's a pretty normal guy. Yeah. Eccentric, but not Nicolas Cage played him at his most coked out and crazy. I, I watched an interview with I, I went down a real uh, rabbit hole on YouTube after I watched this movie. Yeah. And I was watching interviews with Nick Cage to, to see to see like what he had thought about this. I was like, did he hate this guy? What? Right. And uh, but I found a, a, a like a Good Morning D Detroit or something uh, interview with him where he saddle they had him via satellite. Okay. And he's like, and he's and I forget the guy's name, Gary. He goes, w once I met Gary, 
I realized he, he, he can't stop talking. He doesn't shut up. You're not going to get a word. And like he was saying it with a certain level of disgust. And I was like, uh -huh. I think he actually just didn't like this guy and chose yeah. to just completely lambast him. Yeah. But then he also said, uh, they go, you look so good, Nick. You, in the movie, you look terrible. Right. So, you know, fuck you to this Gary guy. Of course, that he able to yeah. make himself. And he's like, yeah, I grew the beard out. I dyed my hair. Got a gut, which I didn't enjoy. I liked going to the gym. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, Cage just feeling himself. Real serious. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, so I saw that, and I rewatched on the plane, amongst many other new films, which we'll talk about on the next episode. But I rewatched Jurassic Park 3. And here's why I bring this up. I haven't seen it since the theater. I'm going to goddamn say it right now. All right. It's the best Jurassic Park movie. Stop it. <laughs> It's, Stop it. It's the best Jurassic Park movie. Joe, I mean... It's the best Jurassic... You make, you make my job easy. It's the best Jurassic Park movie. You make my job easy. It's the best... Let me, let me pose the argument. Why? All right. The movie ahead. that you haven't seen since the theater when you were, what, 15? Probably. And I knew I don't need to see this again. I do own it because I have the trilogy. Two is a worthless pile of shit. I don't think I've seen two since the theater, but one is That's, one of my favorite movies. Two is worthless. Spielberg, I learned today, Spielberg directed it via monitor as he was directing Schindler's List. That's that's offensive. Two is not a good movie in any stretch. Uh, one. Wait, Schindler's List came out the same year as Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, he directed one via monitor. No, 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 no. He was directing when he was work. He was working on uh, maybe he wasn't directing Schindler's, Schindler's, Schindler's List, at, but apparently he was prepping or working on okay. Schindler's List and he was directing Jurassic Park 2 via a monitor. All right. That so, checks out. so that's that's the first thing. So fuck Jurassic Park 2. OK. Jurassic World to me doesn't even need to be in the discussion. Didn't like it. Didn't hate it. Didn't so like now it. we're down to two movies. It's Jurassic Park versus Jurassic Park 3. Uh, I'm going to tell you why Jurassic Park 3 is better. There's no bullshit with a park. There's no bullshit with uh, we got to wait and build up to this. They drop these fuckers on the island. There is no park. They're just in a goddamn jungle with dinosaurs after them. You got Bill Macy. It you sounds got, like Kong Skull Island. But it was fun. It was better than Kong Skull Island. You got William. It's the same plot. It's, they're just trying to get to the boat the whole time. It's right. literally the same plot. Right. Uh, but you got William H. Macy. You got uh, 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 Taya Leone looking just at her greatest of all time. Never my thing, but I love Macy. Of course. Uh, you got uh, Sam Neill returns. Didn't didn't even remember that, which is exciting. He okay. comes back. The scene where they're walking through like the hanging metal rafters and it's all foggy. And then the camera cu it cuts to a shot of Sam Neill and they do like the slow jaws push in. Uh huh. And he goes, oh, my God. This is a birdcage. And then through the fog, you see a pterodactyl walk out, and it's this crazy pterodactyl sequence. It was fucking awesome. It was awesome. Jurassic Park, eh, eh. Stop. Stop. The raptor parts were cooler in this because the raptors could communicate. Now, let me ask you. You're, you're a bit older than me, not much, but when you saw Jurassic Park when you were a kid, you hated thought, it. I don't believe you. I hated it. It was the first movie I ever saw that had heavy CGI in it, and I didn't like it. Holy shit. I went to see it with my friends Kevin McNew and Mike Kaczynski. We were uh, sophomores in high school. My friend Kevin said, I, I've been waiting for a year for this movie to come out. I can't wait. I was like, I don't see what the big deal is. 
I don't find dinosaurs particularly scary because that that was the whole discussion we had in the Kong thing. A giant monster isn't that scary to me. So I wasn't scared. And then as far as stuff being cool, the Tyrannosaurus Rex sequence is, sequence is pretty cool. And I like when... Uh, the raptor sequence is very... The raptor sequence is cool, it's all, too. It's all, but the raptor it's all just perfect, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost a perfect, perfect. movie. Uh, it, I saw it when I was 12, and it became my favorite movie, Unseating Home Alone, which had unseated Roger Rabbit before it. I mean, and then listen, I probably watched... You just it. said it unseated Home Alone, and this is your bar quality. Well, for, I was for, 12, but Home Alone remains one of my favorite movies. Fine. I like Home Alone just fine, but I'm saying, can you can you say... You're, listen to what you're saying. You're saying, I'm, I was 12. Yeah, but now, now I was going to continue. Okay, sure. I've seen Jurassic Park at least every couple years for the remen- remainder of my life, including when they re-released it about five years back in 3D. I went, got high, saw it. I was like, this is a, it's like seeing it for the first time again. I think it's one of Spielberg's best. Oh, that's insane. And I think it is one of the better thrillers maybe ever made. That's I'll, I'll accept the second statement. One of Spielberg's best. That's yeah. insane. Sorry. That's insane. Sorry. Schindler's List. So you, and Raiders you, of the Lost Ark. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Jaws. You're putting fucking Jurassic Park up there with those films? I'm putting it, yeah. Yes. That's nuts. I mean, I'm not going to compare it to Schindler's List because that's not really a fair comparison. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean. Minority I, Report is better than Jurassic Park. I like Jurassic. It's not. I like Jurassic Park more than E.T. Well, E.T.'s fucking pussy shit. You know, right. I, I, I was never, even as a kid, I didn't like E.T. that much. No, I, I really do. I, I mean, and again, when you see a movie when you're 12 and you've like never seen a horror movie, it holds a special place. But I still feel, I feel like if Jurassic Park came out today, I'd still fucking love it. I, was I will deep. rewatch three. I, I, I pledge that to you. By the next podcast, I will have watched three again. I, I, I Listen, three without question has a thinner plot without yeah. question. But as far as a movie that I enjoy watching, I yeah. enjoyed it more. I thought the action sequences were cooler. I thought there were, it was more intense. I don't know. I just enjoyed it more. There was, it's there from was the director a, of Jumanji, so that might explain the intensity you're talking do you know, about. Do you, know who, do you know who wrote it? No. Who co-wrote it, excuse me. Alexander Payne. Oh, yeah, I did know that, actually. <laughs> He he did a lot of he did like uh, worked on Meet the Parents and all kinds of shit. He well, hold on, I've been I've been saving this joke for four days. Uh, Alexander Payne co-wrote Jurassic Park three, which explains the sudden appearance of an alcoholic writer dinosaur. <laughs> wow! And did you look it up on your phone? Had you as you're looking at your phone? Did you write the joke on your phone? So you I wrote Jurassic it? Park three Alexander Payne. That made me that. Wow. That's how I knew for the bit. I only looked at my phone because I lost confidence in it halfway through it. Right, right. Which explains the sudden appearance of, uh, you know, you could do a lot of these. Yeah, yeah. Of oh, a uh, of a dinosaur driving an RV. Did you have affection for three going in? Did you remember loving it? Or no, I okay. I saw all three movies essentially against my will. All right. In the theater, because people were like, we got to go see it. It's the thing to do. Hated the first one. Now, I don't now listen. Let me say this. If I rewatched Jurassic Park now, I yeah. don't think I would hate it still, but I still think I would like three better. OK, uh, but you, you wouldn't hate it. I saw I saw all three in the theater. Let me hate. It's too strong. A word. Didn't give a fuck about the first one. All right. Hated the second one. That, that shit with the dinosaur peeking in the kid's bedroom window. Fuck off. Look, and the Godzilla stuff. I mean, 
I, I remember enjoying During when two. I liked. I went yeah. in begrudgingly, and then I really liked it. I remember thinking three was... I thought about three about how I felt about Jurassic World. Fine, I'll never watch it again. Two had some good moments amidst the shit. But, yeah, I, I mean, one is a classic to me. Uh, Man, that writer joke really bombed. I thought you would think that was funny. Well, it's just me. I mean, it's not bombing. I just... <laughs> No, I but I kind of wrote it for you. I thought you'd like it. Oh, all right. Sometimes I do things for you, you know. Yeah. All right. Uh, look, speaking of which, let's get on to our today's movie. Pat told me the I other gotta night. I got to tell you, I feel like I'm being held prisoner by that joke. <laughs> Pat wait, told wait me uh, the other night that he had already announced to the Facebook page that Prisoners would be our next film. Yeah, uh, I felt bad. Uh, we and by the way, I, I need to give it a little more props because our, our membership is growing every time I. Log on to Facebook, which is very rare. I've got a bunch of requests to join. Thank you, everybody. That's wonderful. Just search We'll See You in Hell. I, I believe it's the only uh, fan page up. And, uh, you know, people have been asking about merchandise. Joe and I are on it. We're uh, we're not on it, but we're pretending to be on it. We're going to get on it. And uh, Actually, I had some merch ideas. Should yeah, just, no, we're going to do it. Should I save them right now? We talked about it a little bit before but yeah save them for now because we'll, we'll talk about them off air but uh anyway it was amazing to see like pe- people really go in depth in detail into each episode and discuss and remember lines. i know I, i'm already waiting for the backlash i'm gonna get about the jurassic park statements i've made i'm oh, still getting you shit will. about the sopranos i'm still getting shit about yeah. aliens yeah halloween too yeah but uh, it's a it's a wonderful uh page and uh emily who runs it thank you so much it's fantastic thank but, you emily we we completely essentially we forgot the first week. I mean, we've been really, really busy. So I, I wanted to say, hey, sorry, we're gone for two weeks. And also what's coming up. And you want to let people prep. We've been saying we we're going to do prisoners for months. We got to do it. And probably I think the next one will probably be Guardians of the Galaxy, too. I am out of my skin excited to do Guardians of the Galaxy, too, because I saw a tweet. So I, I know I know. Believe it or not, folks, I don't think Joe loved it. I didn't see it yet. Oh, I didn't okay. see it. You yet. just heard about it. I was just tweeting about what I had read that they had added Miley Cyrus yeah. in there somewhere and they released a song that was like the theme song and it's David Hasselhoff. The irony, the the irony and 80s kitsch factor is so through the fucking roof already yeah. in just the advertising for this film and the soundtrack. I can't wait to see. I'm going to say it right now. I'm I, the disaster that it is. They, I've read a ton of early reviews today that were all like. Look, it's... Oh, I thought it was already out. Uh, no, I think it comes out Friday. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, if it's not out in time, it won't be the next episode. Hopefully it will be. But I read a ton of early reviews today that the nicest thing anybody could say was, it's not as good as the first one, um, but it's still pretty entertaining. Yeah. A lot of reviews, though, were like, it's so full of itself, and it's it's you know uh-huh. it's so aware of how big it is and everything. And oh. Well, don't go in with preconceived notions. Well, it's just it. Look, I, I mean, don't, James Gunn prior to Guardians of the Galaxy, which I loved, is a very talented and interesting, but extremely uneven filmmaker. Like he came out of the trauma world. I like James Gunn. I like him, too. I'm just saying. And like, I liked Guardians of the Galaxy one, but it was before it. this fucking Marvel. And when I say Marvel, I'm referring only to Marvel Studios. I'm not talking about the Sony stuff. OK, the Mar the, this Marvel train has gone off the fucking tracks. Okay. They are making John Hughes movies with people in capes. 
it's it's an absurdity at this point. It's an absurdity. They're, they're, right. they're, it's and I'm not talking about the the classic John Hughes movies. I'm talking the Dutch years. I consider Dutch a classic. Look, I love. That. I like Dutch, but I'm, you, Dutch, Dutch, Dutch is, is poor not, man's plans trans automobiles. But I'll take poor man's plans trans automobiles. I'll take Dutch too. But my point is, is you know, Dutch is not sixteen candles. Right. Actually, due date due date is like homeless man's plans trans automobiles. I hated due date. <laughs> and Dutch deserves better than to be called the poor man's PTA. <laughs> So speaking of the Marvel Universe, uh, here's another joke I wrote just for this podcast. Yeah. I started watching this movie today and I thought, man, this latest Wolverine film is very dark. <laughs> oh, Prisoners. Prisoners. I got yes. you. You needed to say Prisoners. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, you fucked it up. But this movie is... Our uh, movie is Prisoners. Um, keep an eye on time, Joe, so we don't miss the Pixies, but Prisoners... Uh, for me, I saw it like it, it, as an Academy Award screening type thing. You know, we get invited to all these screenings and they send them to your house and you go and they're always kind of these boring prestige pictures, biopics, you know, you go and you're kind of bored and some of them are good, some of them are not. But then I was like, whoa, like this is like a nasty, dark thriller. I don't think it was nominated for anything, but it really blew me away. I, I thought I like Gyllenhaal. I like Jackman. I'm sure it'll be fine, but I couldn't believe how good the movie was. For me, when I'm looking at like what is the serial killer uh, genre, my top three from like my lifetime, like from you know '81 on, I'm talking about Silence of the Lambs. I'm talking about Seven, and yep. I'm adding Prisoners to the list. Uh, yeah, I think I think as far as this type of serial killer film goes, Seven is probably the best one I've ever seen. Sure, masterpiece. But uh, Prisoners could unseat it uh or oh you thought better or well i don't know yet i haven't seen okay. it as many times right, but right, right. Uh, it's a it, it's a damn close second on a first watch the uh i'll say two things off the bat prisoners was so good it made me want to see the arrival and fewer movies have ever been released that i wanted to see less than the arrival <laughs> well arrival was a letdown due to prisoners sicario is a better sicario was the follow-up and it's a it's a better follow-up you know uh and swollen Paul Dano will be burning in my memory forever. And in, I was thinking today, I was I was mad that uh, I was mad that I already have another Twitter handle because I thought swollen Paul Dano <laughs> would be a great Twitter handle. Yeah. He looks like a pig or something. It was so disturbing to me. Yeah, there's some real like shocking things in it, and they just kind of stay on them. The torture scenes are really aggressively uncomfortable, and they go on and on, and they're very well done. But that's the point of it. I mean, the point is like, how far are you going to go? It's not It's not rubbing your face, and it's not like Saw, where it's it's torture for the sake of torture. Yeah, in fact, I would say that they they, they kind of... They, they The torture scenes went on less length. They were less Maybe lengthy than I thought long. they would be. Yeah. Because everybody had said to me, this movie's brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. But, like, you know, like, there's the scene where uh, he's been punching Paul Dano, and, and it's, you know, it's upsetting... But then he pulls out the hammer and he's like, don't make me use this. And I'm like, holy shit, they're going to show him, yeah. hit him with the hammer. But, yeah, then, yeah. but then he doesn't. That's true. So, but. Uh, and then the guys use restraint ever since. Uh, Dennis Villeneuve, who's doing uh, the new Blade Runner as well. But Roger. Oh, this, the Prisoners guy's doing Blade yeah. Runner? Oh, now I want to see Blade Runner. But Roger Deakins shot Prisoners. To me, 
cinematography wise, because um, I don't I don't agree with the thing of like if you don't notice the cinematography, then it's great. I like a, a little flash to it. I agree. And Roger Deakins is one of the greatest cinematographers of all time. He's the Coen Brothers guy. He shot Fargo, which is maybe the best shot movie ever. Every shot in Fargo, I want to be uh, uh, mounted on my wall, particularly the parking lot, the Snowden parking lot. I think that's yeah. like one of the best shots ever. So Deakins did it. I mean, this is the same way. Every shot in it is like meticulously crafted. The story, in a way that almost sadly never happens, certainly in modern movies, screenplays have gotten lazier and lazier, and they're rewritten by 10 people, and you lose the thread. Everything makes sense in this. From everything, start to finish. Everything makes perfect sense. Uh, there's there's not an ounce in the movie, uh, not an ounce of fat in the movie, and it's two and a half hours, which is very, very hard yeah. to achieve. Um, I was impressed at how much the studio allowed them clearly to keep this lengthy cut. Yeah. Uh, and I'm uh, sure it skirted an NC-17, I would imagine, just for intensity. I bet you, yeah. But, uh, and, and tons of plot twists. Tons of plot twists. That work. That make sense. That make total sense. And then also, like, it's, it's I, like... First of all, Gyllenhaal, you don't know who it's, you know, it's obviously a whodunit because you don't know who done it. Right. But I've never seen a movie where I literally thought everybody at one point was a suspect. Yeah. There was even a part where I was like, wait a minute, did Hugh Jackman kill his own kids? I know. I wait, know. what happened? Gyllenhaal comes in so weird and creepy in that first scene. I was like, oh, so Gyllenhaal's the bad guy. Right. Then he gets in the car and he's the cop. Right. And then I'm like, well, wait. So he's a good guy. And then I was like, wait, no, maybe he's not. Maybe he did it. Yeah. He's got all these weird tattoos and shit. Like the characters have like Dano has a, a massive twist. Like there are twists that don't that do factor in, of course, to the the end result. But you're also just kind of like, what a what a cool thing they did there and, and gave that character this huge arc and twist that Who, wasn't even really needed because the major. Did you see the final twist? I saw the whole thing. No, I mean, did you predict the final, who it was? Oh, no. My predict, I mean, we can talk about it. Yeah. This has been a, a fan it was, request. It was 2013. I mean, come on. My prediction about halfway through the film. Well, my dad saw part of the movie with me before they flew out today. Yeah. Uh, my dad's prediction was the kid is going to shoot whoever the kidnapper is with a rifle at the end. That's why they did that deer scene in the opening. And I was right. like, oh, that's that's interesting. That could happen. My mom's prediction was, Paul. I think Paul Dano is going to turn out to be a girl. Okay. I don't know why <laughs> she thought that, but that's All what right. she thought. They left before the movie was over. Uh, I'd say three quarters of the way through, what I thought was going to happen was the suspect that kills himself in the room in the questioning How room. How great was that guy? That who was, I've never seen in anything before. He was awesome. Yeah. I thought he was going to be the grown-up version of the kid that was missing where the lady's like, he's been missing for 26 years. Right. I wasn't that far off on that because he was a kid that was abducted yeah. but then escaped, and that's why he was fucked up. Yeah. Paul Dano ends up being that kid, which Correct. I did not see coming at all. And right. I, and I, I didn't... I got so excited when Hugh Jackman, when, when he goes... Uh, He's got him in that shower, and he's like, he's like, something'll make you break. And yeah. then it cuts to him going to the aunt's house. Oh yeah, yeah. I got excited because I was like, holy shit, this guy is out of his fucking mind. He's yeah. gonna kidnap the aunt now. And then, but I didn't see the, I didn't see the twist of the aunt being the. That yeah, fucked me and up. She was great. I mean, well, that's uh, Melissa, Melissa Leo. Leo. I mean, you know, 
But uh, that there's that side. What? Alexa, stop. My Alexa just went off. M- Melissa, Le- that sounds like Alexa. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Anyway. Uh. The. <laughs> Thanks, Alexa. <laughs> the little uh, side trip to that priest's basement. You know, like there's so much like great creepy shit in it. Yeah, and I thought that that I thought that priest thing was just going to be in there as a red herring. And it was just going to be like, oh, yeah. no, it turns out that's not related. And then right. when you find out, oh, it's Melissa Leo's character's husband that was in that basement. Which I, I got I to gotta admit, for me, I think that was on the second viewing. Because sometimes when I'm focusing so hard on one thing, the other things get a little fuzzy. Sure. <laughs> I'm a little slow with things. But I was just so excited by it. And sometimes, when, I, especially in a suspense movie, I hate having to focus on the plot because I'm so rarely scared or uh, on the edge of my seat, as they say. Sure. That I don't focus the way I should. Prisoners to me rewards like 12 views. It's like seven. I mean, I've seen Prisoners six times. I own it. Whenever it's on HBO, I watch. I wind up watching an hour and a half of it. It's. Uh, I think it's one of the best movies of the past 10 years. I it's really a phenomenal don't. picture. And as I said to you earlier today, I loved it. And I was almost disappointed that I loved it so much because... We've been quite amicable these last few episodes. I know. Well, Guardians and will probably split. We haven't we haven't disagreed much, and I really was hoping I would wouldn't like it just so we could disagree. Yeah. Uh, but we but I, I I you know there was no cell in my brain that could rightfully dislike this film. The no. uh, I love that I've been trying to get you to watch it forever. It's a it's one of those that somehow like I looked up and worldwide or whatever it made a hundred and something million dollars, but it wasn't a smash really. And it's one of those that you can still find people in your friend group who haven't seen it and be the hero that tells them to watch this like unsung movie because uh, it's fucking great and not enough people have watched it. That's uh, what I'm saying. The uh, Now, the ending, mild cliffhanger. You think they got him out? I think so because I think like I, I honestly think that was the whole point of him saying they have the scene with... Uh, Maria Bello, who plays Hugh Jackman's uh, character's wife, right, and the mother of the one little girl, she is talking to Jake Gyllenhaal at the hospital at the end, and she says, "Do you think you'll find my husband?" He says, "Yes," and she goes, "And he'll probably go to jail." And he said, "Yeah, probably." Uh-huh. And I think the point of that scene was, so when you saw the cliffhanger ending, you realize, oh, he is going to find him. They've 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 established so many times through that movie that Jake right. Gyllenhaal knows what the fuck he's doing. I mean, right. there's that scene at the candlelit vigil where he sees the guy that becomes a suspect. Yeah, and he literally just looks at him and it keeps staring at him to yeah. the point where the guy runs. You know, so yeah, all those. I mean, him like running through the house. There's so many great set pieces in it, like going back to these people's houses. There's the scene with all the snakes and the. Uh, chests that was crazy like there's just so much memorable great stuff in it and it makes you realize how lazy most of these types of movies are yeah that snake uh thing freaked me out i don't like snakes at all yeah and then even when melissa leo says my husband left me he he had a thing with snakes and i don't like to talk about it even then i wasn't like oh she did it yeah even then i still didn't think she had done it it's kind of it reminded me a lot of uh the Prestige in the sense that I love The Prestige. It's one of my favorite films. I need to rewatch it. But it reminded me of that in the sense of it's this 
sort of tour de force, also starring Hugh Jackman. It's two hours and change. It's crazy. The story is completely evolving the entire time. And uh, it wasn't until the end where I was like, oh, my God, they're twins. And I was yeah. like, that's the most obvious fucking thing. Right. And it never even occurred to me. Right. I was sitting there going, Christian Bale is magical. How is he magical? I don't <laughs> yeah. understand. Yeah. You know, so. uh so this movie was like that to me too, where I, I really didn't know what was happening until it ha uh, until it was happening. Well, that's the best kind of twist, and it, that's why this is the hardest movie to do well, is because you don't want the audience. If a twist comes so far out of left field, the audience is like, "Really? Like you're just jerking me around." But if it's too obvious, you know, there are people who watch these movies and they're like, you know, seeing one, they know who it is. Um. I feel like Prisoners is a very surprising. They did it very well. And to keep you guessing for two and a half hours. Because then also you're killing off people who could have been suspects. Uh, they did a great job. Did a I'll great say job. this too. It's such a good movie that they, in a forgivable way, do the thing that I don't care for in many movies, which uh, our friend uh, James Pinkstone refers to as the the Bond villain technique. You know, nobody nobody really likes it when a criminal or or the bad guy at the end of the movie just reveals his plan sure. lazily. Right. Uh, but Melissa Leo kind of does that at the end of this movie. But they've given you so much that at that point you're like, I appreciate right now just succinctly hearing what the <laughs> fuck has been happening. Yeah, and I bought it because you know she thought she was on this righteous journey. Right. So she wants to let the world know what she's doing and that it's for good. I mean, I bought that she'd do it personally. Yeah, it was... Uh, it's like a steel trap. I mean, everything works. Everything is set up. Everything is called back. I, I have no complaints about Prisoners. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's an A-plus movie. Daughter goes missing. Hugh Jackman ends up missing. Yeah, with the whistle, her whistle, the daughter's whistle. Yeah, that the daughter did find. The mom yeah. said she thinks she's misremembering it. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, 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 crazy film. I, just I, like I loved the, it. the way the neighborhood is shot at the beginning. Like, in your average movie, that's just like an exterior shot of the house and then we go into the house for thanksgiving like every shot is just you, it was a movie where people gave a shit and that's always what makes you a classic the one thing i didn't understand you might have missed this too i don't know there's a part where so they they tell you that gyllenhaal's dad is a greater for this is right near where i grew up by the way greater okay. for prison was near where i lived uh -huh. in fact my dad is who was a deacon i believe used to go to greaterford when we lived there to visit prisoners and like have like confessions and shit with them. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, like, or church visits with them and stuff. And, uh, but anyway, or no, he would go to give them communion. Excuse me. But anyway, uh, they say that his dad was a guard at the prison. And then later you see Hall looking at the article that says his dad killed himself. And then they show you an address in the article. And I didn't, and they, I mean, they, 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 specifically they do a close-up of the address uh, -huh. uh you're supposed to know that it's significant but i don't i never realized i was like what, what i don't, I don't remember that, that i i'd have to watch it again though. it cuts to jill and all cuts back to the computer screen where the article is and the last shot is the camera tilts down to the address it's very deliberate um yeah i don't remember that i'll, I'll watch it again because maybe i want to i don't know and i love too the the detail that the priest who kills the pedophile is a pedophile or is a sex yeah. offender, I, yeah, be yeah. I believe. I think they say that. Think so, so they too, think yeah. like, and then this guy like does this 
crazy extreme righteous thing to account for his sins. Right, right. So, you know, pretty fucked up. Pretty fucked up movie in in the best way possible. Yeah. Uh, Pat, you told me to watch The Time. Guess what I've been doing? It's time. I've been watching that time. It's 8.13. Guys, we are going to see the Pixies. Uh, We'll be back more than likely with Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but I will keep you abreast (laughs) on the Facebook page. Um, But we're around now. Consistently, we'll be coming out. There'll be no more of these hiatai or hiatuses. Well, at least not for a while. For a while. Um, I got nothing to plug except, you know, keep keep, uh, my pilot in your thoughts and prayers. I would love to be able to bring you a show every week with uh, Joe DeRosa in it. I mean, what a dream. Talk about uh, bringing We'll See You in Hell to the Masses. And uh, I'm on Twitter and uh, Instagram at the Patrick Walsh. Pat, we share the same dreams as we always have, except ever since we locked eyes in that Italian restaurant. <laughs> all those a bottle of red. <laughs> Ooh, uh, a bottle of white. At Joe DeRosa Comedy on uh, Twitter and Instagram. As always, if... Uh, you can go help me fix those album reviews on Amazon and uh, iTunes. I'd appreciate it. Go leave uh, this podcast a nice review if you like. Uh, like us and follow us uh, on Facebook. Uh, join the group. Um, I don't think I have any. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll be in San Francisco for Clusterfest oh, in June. The Seinfeld one? Yeah, Seinfeld, oh, cool. Ice Cube. Okay. Bunch of people. So I'll be up there performing June 3rd and 4th at the festival. So, you know, maybe I'll see you there. All right. And uh, we're not doing Joe's scary corner of stuff. We'll do it next time. Yeah. I forgot to do it. I, we would, I would have done it earlier. Guys, thanks. Keep the comments and everything coming. We love it. Uh, go to the Facebook page. Emily does a great job running it. We'll see you in hell on Facebook. And uh, that's it. See you next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>